Would you turn to Psalm 105? Arabella Rose was born last, this morning, actually, and everything went well. This is one of three um, historical psalms where the psalmist gives a part of Israel's history. There's Psalm 78, there's Psalm 105 and 106, and actually 105 and 106 in a way go together, but this covers... 500 years history from the time of Abraham to the Exodus. Psalm 105. Oh, give thanks unto the Lord. Call upon his name. Make known his deeds among the people. Sing unto him. Sing psalms unto him. Talk ye of all his wondrous works. Glory ye in his holy name. Let the heart of them rejoice that seek the Lord. Seek the Lord in his strength. Seek his face evermore. Remember his marvelous works that he hath done. His wonders and the judgments of his mouth. O ye seed of Abraham, his servant, ye children of Jacob, his chosen. He is the Lord our God. His judgments are in all the earth. He hath remembered his covenant forever. The word which he commanded to a thousand generations, which covenant he made with Abraham and his oath uh, unto Isaac, and confirmed the same unto Jacob for a law. And to Israel for an everlasting covenant, saying, Unto thee will I give the land of Canaan, the lot of your inheritance. When they were but a few men in number, yea, very few, and strangers in it. When they went from one nation to another, from one kingdom to another people, he suffered no man to do them wrong. Yea, he reproved kings for their sakes, saying, Touch not mine anointed, and do my prophets no harm. Moreover, he called for a famine upon the land. He brake the whole staff of bread. He sent a man before them, even Joseph, who was sold for a servant, whose feet they hurt with fetters. He was laid in iron until the time that his word came. The word of the Lord tried him. The king sent and loosed him, and even the ruler of the people, and let him go free. He made him lord of his house and ruler of all his substance, to bind his princes at his pleasure and teach his senators wisdom. Israel also came into Egypt, and Jacob sojourned in the land of Ham, that's the land of Egypt, and he increased his people greatly and made them stronger than their enemies. He turned their heart, Egypt, to hate his people. God turned their heart to hate his people. To deal subtly with his servants. He sent Moses, his servant, Aaron, whom he had chosen. They showed his signs among them and wonders in the land of Ham. He sent darkness and made it dark. And they rebelled not against his word. He turned their waters into blood and slew their fish. 
Their land brought forth frogs in abundance and in the chambers of their kings. He spake, and there came divers sorts of flies and lice in all their coasts. He gave them hail for rain and flaming fire in their land. He smote their vines also and their fig trees and brake the trees of the coast. Now, you know, this is talking about the ten plagues. He spake, and the locusts came, and caterpillars, and that without number, and deed up all the herbs in their land, and devoured the fruit of their ground. He smote also the firstborn in their land, and the chief of all their strength. He brought them forth also with silver and gold, and there was not a feeble person among their tribes. Egypt was glad when they departed, for fear of them fell upon them. He spread a cloud for a covering and a fire to give light in the night. The people asked, and he brought quails and satisfied them with the bread of heaven. He opened the rock, and the waters gushed out. They ran in the dry places like a river. For he remembered his holy promise. And Abraham his servant. And he brought forth his people with joy. And his chosen with gladness. And gave them the lands of the heathen. And they inherited the labor of the people. That they might observe his statutes. And keep his laws. Praise ye the Lord. Let's pray. Lord, give us the grace from our hearts by your Spirit to do what the psalmist said. Praise thy holy name. Lord, unite our hearts together in praising your name and glorying in your name. We ask in Christ's name that the gospel might be preached in the power of your spirit. Lord, what else could we ask? Give us hearing ears. Forgive forgive us of our sins for Christ's sake. Be with all your people wherever they meet together. Lord, we pray for these new births. We pray for your saving hand to be upon each child. Bless our homes for Christ's sake. In his name we pray. Amen. History. Psalm 78, Psalm 105, Psalm 106 are about history. The history of Israel. History is everything God has done in time up to this point. That's a good definition of history, isn't it? Everything God has done in time up to this point and everything he does, he does for his glory. Any other view of history will be a skewed view of history. Now, I've said this before. Uh, I heard Henry Mahan say this for the first time I heard this said. We're all three people. We're the people who we think we are. We're the people who others think we are. And we're the people God knows we are. That resonates truly, doesn't it? Well, it's the same thing with history. History is what we think took place. History is what others think took place. And what I thought about was, uh, let's say, the Revolutionary War. 
We have the United States view of history, and we have Britain's view of history. They're two different views. Same thing happened, but two different views. There is our view of history, what somebody else's view of history is, and what God knows took place because he decreed it to take place. That is the only accurate view of history. And here we're given this historical view of about 500 years from the time of Abraham all the way to the time of the uh, Exodus. And in the next Psalm, Psalm 106, we're given an 800-year view of history. And what is interesting is this historical account is more of praising the Lord for his grace and his covenant. And the next historical account is one of the greatest um, confessions of sin throughout the entire psalm that you'll find in Scripture. Oh, Psalm 105, oh, give thanks unto the Lord. Would to God that that is what's coming from my heart right now. Thank you, Lord, for saving my soul. Thank you, Lord, for making me whole. Thank you, Lord, for giving to me thy great salvation so rich so free. Oh, give thanks unto the Lord. This is an exhortation, these first five or six verses of this psalm, and every one of these are so important. Call upon his name. His name is who he is. It's his attributes. It's his holiness. It's his sovereignty. It's his grace. It's his mercy. Uh, Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And that's true in the Old Testament. That's true in the New Call upon his name. Make known his deeds among the people. Now, if you want to know what the subject matter of preaching is to be, here it is. Make known his deeds. His deeds of creation, his deeds of providence, everything that's taking place is his deed. He's in control of it. Most especially is his deed of salvation. Salvation's of the Lord. Now, there is the subject matter of true preaching. Make known his deeds among the people. Sing unto him. Sing psalms unto him. Talk ye of all his wondrous works. Now there, once again, that's the subject matter of our preaching. Speaking of his wondrous works. That which only he can do. Glory ye, verse 3. Glory ye in his holy name. Let the heart of them rejoice that seek the Lord. Now let me give you two reasons why you ought to rejoice if you're seeking the Lord. If you are seeking the Lord, it's because he said to you, seek ye my face. What could be greater than that? And here's the next reason to rejoice. All that seek, find. Isn't that a reason to rejoice? To seek the Lord? He says, seek his strength, the power to do. Without me, you can do nothing. Seek his face, his presence evermore. Remember, once again, remember his marvelous works that he hath done. You know when I'm happy? When I'm not even thinking about myself, which is not very often. (laughs) But uh, when I'm not thinking about myself and I'm thinking about his 
marvelous works. Now there's a reason for happiness. His marvelous works. That he hath done his wonders and the judgments of his mouth. I love the word judgments. He made a way to be just and justify the ungodly. He is the Lord our God. His judgments are in all the earth. Oh, well, verse 6. O oh, seed of Abraham, his servant, you children of Jacob, his chosen. You know, I was thinking of the language of that. Election was just as big. Well, it's always big. It's just as big in the Old Testament as it is in the New Testament. That's the way they referred. Jacob, his chosen. He is the Lord our God. If God be for us, who can be against us? His judgments are in all the earth. He controls everything and whatever he does is right. Shall not the judge of the earth do right? Yes, he shall. He hath remembered his covenant forever. Now this is the same covenant David said um, although my house be not so with God, yet hath he made with me an everlasting covenant. Yes, he made it with his son, and in making it with his son, he made it with every believer. You can say this just as much as David did. Yet hath he made with me an everlasting covenant, ordered in all things ensured. He hath remembered his covenant forever. The word which he commanded to a thousand generations, which is all of history, is his will being done. Which covenant he made with Abraham and his oath unto Isaac and confirmed the same unto Jacob for a law. And to Israel for an everlasting covenant. The emphasis of his covenant. My salvation is because of his promise. That's the reason not because of anything i've done or promised to do but because of his everlasting covenant saying unto thee verse 11 saying unto thee will i give the land of canaan you see in his covenant he gives we receive he gives isn't that the tenor of the gospel he gives he gives the lot of your inheritance, when they were but a few men in number, yea, very few, and strangers in it. This is talking about when they came into Egypt. You know how many people there were? Seventy. In all the population of the earth, there were seventy insignificant people. And what I thought about this while, while I was trying to just, I'm insignificant. <laughs> the Lord knows me. I'm fine with that, aren't you? I'm not known in this world, neither you, we're insignificant. Few in number, but the Lord knows. To have the Lord know me, I love that scripture, now that you've known God, or rather are known of God. To have God knowing me. Verse 14, he suffered no man to do them wrong. Yea, he reproved kings for their sake, saying, Touch not mine anointed, and do my prophets no harm. Now the Lord says that about you. Touch not mine anointed, and do my prophets no harm. 
Moreover, he called for a famine upon the land. This is talking about the famine during Joseph's time. Moreover, he called for a famine upon the land. He broke the whole staff of bread. He sent a man before them, even Joseph, who was sold for a servant. You can read that history in Genesis 37. Whose feet they hurt with fetters. He was laid in iron. Now, this is not given in the Genesis account. But here the psalmist tells us when he was in that prison, his feet hurt with iron fetters for a crime that he didn't commit. And yet the Lord used all of that for his glory. Verse 19, until the time that his word came, the word of the Lord tried him. The king sent and loosed him and the ruler of the people let him go free. This is when Pharaoh uh, he interpreted those dreams for Pharaoh. Um, remember, he interpreted the dreams of famine. There's going to be seven years of plenty and then seven years of famine. And here's what Pharaoh did. He made him lord of his house and ruler of all his substance to bind the princes at his pleasure and teach his senators wisdom. Joseph became the most powerful man in the world. Israel also came unto Egypt and Jacob sojourned in the land of Ham. You'll remember when Joseph sent for his dad to come down in, into Egypt. And he increased his people greatly and made them stronger than their enemies. Now this is the 400 years of history, all in one verse. He increased them greatly. 400, I think 400 years ago it was 1624 or 23, whatever year this is. I can't remember, but... Um, all that's happened in 400 years, think how much this nation had increased at this time. 400 years of history. And he increased his people greatly and made them stronger than their enemies. Now look at this verse. Verse 25. He turned their heart. The Lord God turned the heart of the Egyptians to hate his people. To deal subtly, deceitfully with his servants. God is completely sovereign over all of the free and uncoerced actions of men. Now these men, it wasn't like they thought, well, the Lord is, is, is doing this to us. No, they saw Israel was growing, and they thought, we've got we to put a stop to this. They're going to become so powerful and so strong. They're going de to defeat us. They're going to join up with our enemies, and we're going to be in trouble. Therefore, we're going to—they were doing what they wanted to do, what made sense to them. But remember this, the king's heart is in the hand of the Lord. As the rivers of water, he turneth it whithersoever he will. And I want you to remember this. I want to remember this. The next time we feel mistreated, who caused it? The Lord did. For your good and for his glory. Everything that takes place in the world, he is in control of. And he took these people. He took these Egyptians. Yes, they did what they wanted to do. But... He turned their heart to hate his people. Does somebody hate you? 
who's behind it. For what purpose? It, it, it probably is. If somebody hates me, I'm sure a lot of it's my fault. Maybe all of it's my fault. But still, the Lord is in control of all of it. I'm thankful for this verse, aren't you? I mean, he, he turned their heart to hate his people, to deal subtly and deceitfully with his servants. He sent Moses, his servant, and Aaron, whom he had chosen. They showed his signs among them and wonders in the land of Ham. Now, Ham was one of the three sons of Noah, uh, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. And they represented the Egyptians. And that's why he calls the land of Egypt the land of Ham. Now, he sent darkness and made it dark. You know, the scripture says it could be felt. The darkness could actually be felt. Now, that's dark. And the scripture also says they were afraid to get up. I mean, they, they sat in darkness for three days. Everybody afraid to get up and move. They, they were in darkness. And when the Lord sent that darkness, they rebelled not against his word. Now, the saying is, at the end, when Pharaoh said, Who is the Lord that I should obey him? At the end, he said, Oh, please get out and leave us alone. We're in trouble. Uh, you've destroyed the land. They gave them all their gold and silver and watched them leave. They ended up not rebelling at what he said. Uh, I, I love to think of that. When Pharaoh starts out, who is the Lord that I should obey him? Well, he's going to find out. And he did end up obeying him because everybody obeys the will of God because he's God. Verse 29, he turned their waters into blood and slew their fish. The scripture says the whole land stank. Can you imagine all those stinking fish in the land? What Israel, I mean, what Egypt must have smelled like at that time. Their land brought forth frogs in abundance in the chambers of their kings. I, I love the way it points out not just the, the slaves, but in the kings. I mean, Pharaoh lays down that night and there's frogs in his bed. There's frogs everywhere. Can you imagine how grievous that would have been? Um, verse 31, he spake, and there came divers sorts of flies and lice and all their coasts, swarms of flies. I hate flies. Um, and lice, everybody's covered with lice. Can you imagine how grievous that was? And the people were thinking, can't we get these Egyptians out of here? He gave them Verse 32, he gave them hail for rain, the hail that broke down all the trees and killed animals and flaming fire in their land. When the, when the hail would hit, fire would cover the ground. He smote their vines also and their fig trees and brake the trees of their coasts. He spake and the locusts came and caterpillars and that without number and did eat up all the herbs in their land and devoured the fruit of the ground. In the Exodus account, it says there wasn't one green thing left in all the land. Can you imagine the devastation of all of that? He smote also the firstborn in their land and the chief of all their strength. And he brought them forth also with silver and gold. And there was not one feeble person among their tribes. Now, I imagine this. While they're leaving, the Lord turns the heart of the Egyptians to give them all their money. And they did. You know, that's how they built the uh, tabernacle in the wilderness with all the gold and everything was given to them. The Lord turned the hearts of these people to do that. And they go out into the wilderness 
rich with all the riches of Egypt, and Egypt is left in devastation. There was not one feeble person among their tribes. And as a matter of fact, if you read Nehemiah's account uh, during the uh, 40 years, their clothes never uh, became dry rotted or anything. Their clothes stayed fresh. They always had something to eat. Wasn't one feeble person. They were all unable to make this journey. Egypt, verse 38, Egypt was glad when they departed for the fear of them fell upon them. Now, he doesn't give the uh, account of going through the Red Sea. That's going to be uh, in the next psalm. But it says he did do this. He spread a cloud for a covering and a fire to give light in the night. By day, there was a cloud. They would look and follow it. That's the Lord Jesus Christ. At night, there was a fire, and they would follow it. That was the Lord Jesus Christ. The people asked, And he brought quails and satisfied them with the bread of heaven, the manna that came down from heaven, the quails for meat. And uh, when they asked for those, it's because they were tired of manna. And the Lord gave it to them. And, uh, well, you read what happened in that. But the manna, what a beautiful picture of the Lord Jesus Christ. Came down from heaven. Didn't come from men. Didn't come from their works came down from heaven every morning as dew on the ground. And every day they were to go get one day's worth. Looking to Christ is looking to him for today. I look to him today just like I looked to him the first time I looked. And if they would try to gather two days worth, they would breed worms and stink. Only one day at a time. Looking to Christ. He's my bread today. He'll be my bread tomorrow. He's all I have today. He's all I'm going to have tomorrow. Christ only. That is what is taught in the that. He opened, look in verse 41. He opened the rock and the waters gushed out. They ran in dry places like a river. Now, picture that in your mind. You remember the story of the smitten rock. They were saying, we need something to drink. The Lord said, I'm going to stand on the rock. He said, I'm going to stand on the rock to Moses. You smite the rock. Uh, and in smiting the rock, and Paul tells us that rock was Christ, waters flew out like rivers coming out of that rock. And the scripture says that rock followed them. Now, I don't understand how that took place, but that's what the Bible says. And, I, and what the Bible says, uh, Donnie Bell made one of my favorite statements uh, with regard to the Bible. If the Bible says that Jonah swallowed the whale, I'd believe it. Me too. Me too. I, I have no problem with that. And that rock followed them. And you remember the second time uh, they started complaining. I don't know what happened. And the Lord said, speak to the rock. And what did Moses do? He said, you bunch of rebels, must I fetch water out of the rock? And then he took the rod and smote it three times. When the Lord said, speak to the rock. And because of that, Moses was not allowed to enter into the promised land. You see, the rock, Christ is only smitten once. Only once, and that takes care of everything. But Moses, he had a temper, and he said, must we, I think it's almost funny, but um, um, he opened the rock and the waters gushed out. They ran in dry places like a river. Now here's why he did all these glorious, gracious things. For he remembered 
his holy promise. Why does the Lord continue to look in mercy upon me? Because he remembered his holy promise. The covenant of his grace. He remembered his holy promise and Abraham his servant. And he brought forth his people with joy. That's the joy and peace of believing. And his chosen. There we have election. Election. He brought forth his chosen with gladness. And gave them the lands of the heathen. And they inherited the labor of the people. Now, they were given something they didn't work for. Mind you of anything? They didn't do anything to get this. The Lord gave them the lands and the inheritance of the people. For this reason, verse 45, that they might observe his statutes and keep his laws. Number one, I've kept the law. When Jesus Christ kept the law, I kept the law. And that's my only obedience to the law. Uh, when Jesus Christ kept the law, I kept the law. If you can look at God's law and say, well, I've kept that commandment. I might have been weak on this one, but I did that. No, you, you've missed it altogether. You don't understand God's law. All God's law does is condemn. But here's our joy. We've kept it in Christ. I, when people say, well, we ought to try to keep the law. You know, I, I don't even like language like that, to be honest with you, because all the law says is you're guilty. You're guilty. And in Christ, you've kept it. Aren't you thankful for that? That they might observe, that they might observe his statutes and keep his laws. Now, um, here's a law that I personally have kept. And every believer has kept. This is his commandment, that we believe on the name of his son, Jesus Christ. Have you kept that commandment? You know it's only by grace that you've kept that commandment. It's because he give you, gave you the grace to do it. But you keep that commandment. You believe that his name is why you will be brought into glory. You're relying on his name and love one another as he gave us commandment. We love all those that he loves. We love those who love him, don't we? There's a special bond between believers. So he ends this uh, Psalm of history, praise ye the Lord. Hallelujah.